Madison, that is a weird shirt that you're wearing. This is one of my favorite shirts. Allow me to describe it to you. you Allow me to describe what I'm seeing. (laughs) Okay. At the top, it says, I'm fun scary, but the letters look like flames. And then below it is who I think maybe she's from the Adams family. (laughs) And the mom from the Adams family is what she looks like. Only she's got this awesome gray streak in her hair, like how mine would be if it was long. And her dress looks like she's seen battle. <laughs> and that's all I can see. Does it, she have like zombie hand, like monster hands? Oh, uh, one of her hands has like black ichor coming off of it. What's ichor? Ichor is another word for like godlike blood or like some sort of like viscous blood-like oh. liquid. Not necessarily her own. So this is, uh, it's supposed to look like a me- heavy metal t-shirt. Yes, yes it does. Um, and it's my favorite character from the Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Oh, is that, that who you dressed up as? This is who Halloween? I dressed up as. Uh, yeah, Laudna. And she, she's like if a Disney princess like died. She has a very bubbly personality. Mm. But is she a zombie? She, I mean, is, she's, undead. she's undead. Yeah. She's got her little animal companion is like an amalgamation of a raven skull and a rat body. Yeah, he just hang, hang he just from hangs from her belt. And is that scissors that she has? Yes. She's a collector of various crafting materials. Of course she is. <laughs> Again, she's like a Disney princess where whenever she encounters a situation, she always finds the best in it. Okay. But, but with like a creepy, edgy twist, which is why I love the character so much. Yeah. If make-do were creepy, she would work here. Exactly. And also, you're right. She does have like a white streak at the front of yeah. her hair, uh, which I also love. So, yeah. yeah. Love her. And I love this shirt, but I can't wear it when I'm doing kids' classes because it's just like a little too edgy. Yes. And you see, like, I'm scary because yes. the fun kind of it blends it's on there, but like you see the first word I'm and the last word scary, and then it is. I mean, intense. Yes, which is why I like it. It makes me feel heavy metal and cute all at the same time. Yeah, it's an interesting spring shirt, though, (laughs) because it looks like it should be worn in the depths of fall. (laughs) Around all hallows, if you will. Yeah. So I just wanted to, sometimes I'm like, I'm the fun scary, because there is, contrary to positive belief, I do have a dark side. Normally I'm wearing like bright colors and flowers and when people first meet me, they're like, you're so bubbly and whatever. But I also really like true crime podcasts and I also like Halloween. So I'm like, yeah, it celebrates both sides of me. You are the fun kind of scary. I'm the fun scary. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Well, (laughs) I um, just always stare at whatever you're wearing on podcast days. So Uh, that's part of it. Yeah. You're wearing one of my favorite shirts as well. Babes support babes. Mm -hmm. I like to wear it to the gym. Oh, it's a good, that would be a good gym shirt. Yeah. It's been the shirt I've been wearing this week. So, you know. All right. You ready? Indeed. Let's go. Okay. Pip just looked at me like, ready for what? This is Be Createful, a podcast about finding fullness through creativity. I'm Joe, And I'm Madison. And today on episode 114, we're asking the question, is creativity a luxury? Mm, I expected you to say, and I'm Madison. I'm fun scary. <laughs> and I'm fun scary. <laughs> Indeed. Is creativity a luxury? So this was your topic. Yes, because when I 
I was thinking about all the podcasts that we've recorded and how we often draw on our personal experiences. Mm -hmm. And from the time that I was a kid, I was given a lot of opportunities to express myself creatively. And I'm not just talking about at school. Um, I distinctly remember asking my mom, hey, mom, can we go to the Goodwill so I can find some wool sweaters to felt and then sew into tiny teacups? And my mom was like, yeah, I'll do that for you. Sew into tiny teacups. <laughs> Which my, I still use as a pincushion at home and my sister still has one. But there'd be many a time when I would say, hey, mom, can you take me to the store and get me these like weird supplies so I can try and make this thing? Especially like also when we were blessed enough to have the internet at home, I would often be on the internet, like looking up like cool crafts to do at home. Ooh, see, that's a difference in our generations because I didn't have that. Yeah. Mm. Um, I was like right on the cusp of like, I probably had like about a quarter of my crafts came from books that I got at the book fair, Mm -hmm. which again, I was able, I was blessed enough that my mom gave me some money to go to the book fair and buy these crafty books. And then also I could go on the internet and look up like paper crafts or like how to do origami or things like that. Yeah. It was nowhere near what it looks like now. Well, sure. Um, Very much scaled down. But as I was thinking about that, not everyone in their life gets those kinds of opportunities. Mm -hmm. Specifically, I think about the kids that I work with, with 100 families. They can't just, number one, they can't do a lot of research because either they don't know what to look for or they don't have access to those sorts of resources but they also don't have the opportunities to be like hey mom you're a stay-at-home mom can you go and like use some of the extra money that you have to go and enrich my you know creative pursuits um right so that's two things it's that they don't have the it's not like financially viable for mm -hmm. them and also their moms aren't home yeah. Their mom is working. Their mom is working. Mm-hmm. So I, I was blessed in both of those ways. And so part of me was like, I have a podcast where I talk about creativity and I have been privileged, blessed enough to be able to pursue these things in my life that I know that other people who are listening to this podcast probably didn't get. So I wanted to kind of pay respect to like, maybe some thinking on their part of, well, that just sounds like a luxury I don't have. Either I don't have the time resources um, to engage with creativity. That's an extra. Creativity is something that Mm -hmm. you have when you have fulfilled your other needs. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to talk about that topic today. Do you have any thought, any initial thoughts on that as creativity as a luxury? Um, My, well, yeah, I mean, I have a list of thoughts. Yeah. Also see... people seeing creativity as as a luxury in the sense of how someone is gifted with creativity. So just like someone could be gifted as an athlete and we see that as a privilege that that person has to just be naturally good at sports. A lot of times people, well, most of the time people do the same thing with creativity. And so they, see someone else's amount of creativity or whatever. And they just think that that person is creative because they're lucky yeah, or like, yeah, that they just have the privilege of being a creative person. Um, And so that's not, has nothing to do with finances at all, but it does have to do with our mindset of creativity um, isn't, 
like creativity is accessible to everyone. Yeah, it's not safe for those who have enough resources or those who just happen to be talented mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. So I think this also got me start thinking about this rabbit hole of, you know, I play Dungeons and Dragons. It's a medieval fantasy setting. Well, oftentimes back then you would have wealthy patrons who would um, pay artists to, you know, paint pictures. They would support them, but in return they would get, you know, they would get to hang their great art on the wall. And the only way that, first of all, you had access to be able to view that good art is if you had um, is if you had money and privilege, but also the only way that you could pursue a creative career mm-hmm. was to find someone who had the resources mm-hmm. to support you. And it's a tenuous relationship that oftentimes led to a lot of exploitation. And some of that still plays out today. We are blessed enough to have museums where we can go and view some really great art, but not all of them are free. And if, as a matter of fact, most of them are not free um, and for various reasons, but you still have to have some level of resources to be able to go and view these creative works. Well, or you have to have access to get to those big cities That's where true. those museums are. Um, and then you got to have the free time to go. Exactly. So I can understand where people will often see, well, creativity is just meant for those who have the time and money to be able to go experience it or to be able to go and practice it. However, I don't believe that's true. I think this is a myth of creativity. Mm -hmm. We've talked about myths before, um, but I kind of, I wanted to talk on this podcast about dispelling this idea of creativity as a luxury. Mm -hmm. Um, And for that, we're going to have to talk about how creativity is not just high art or it, it doesn't live just only in museums and uh, in your ability to go to a craft store and spend a lot of money mm-hmm. on a new hobby. Mm-hmm. Creativity lives in other places. Also, when you think about for the, the money side of it with creativity as being an extracurricular, a lot of how that looks for kids is like taking music lessons, taking dance, coming to make do. Now, make do is different. This is built into our ethos mm-hmm. as a nonprofit is that all of our classes are pay what you can because we don't think money should be a barrier to accessing creativity. But make do aside, anything you want to do after school costs money. Also, you have to have a way to get there. This is true. I also think about in schools, fine arts programs are even, I think, still in the public consciousness, still kind of considered a little fluff, like oh, we don't really need an excellent theater program or an art program that takes kids to different um, competitions or, you know, has access to Mm -hmm. like a kiln or or things like that. Um, That was one of the things that I had thought of too. And those are the first things to get cut when funding is scarce. Because when we think, because again, we, I understand why it happens because we think, okay, money is tight. We've got to, you know, spend our resources on things that are really, really important. What's, what are going to be, what's going to be important to these kiddos to get them prepared for life? Okay. Well, probably a lot of the STEM programs, like anything that has to do with math or science. Um, reading is also really, really important because you need to be able to communicate with other people. Even though, you know, with STEM, they've added art into it. 
Oh, they have and now. There's um, well, because there's a track of it called Steam. I was about to say, is it called Steam now? Mm-hmm. Which is important because if you know anything about engineering or science or you know math, it actually required a good bit of creativity mm-hmm. to get to some of these rock hard uh, rules or even some of the theories that are. In those processes. Well, because it teaches you how to connect things in ways that haven't been taught to you. You also have to have that creative thinking to be able to ask the question, what would happen if... Right. That's what I mean. Mm. Like, it it gets you to think about things outside of what you've been told about them, like what you've learned about them. And that's how we make the advancements in science, right? It's like someone seeing something or going down a path because of creativity yeah. that it wasn't like two plus two is four. And all of this has to build on some sort of experience, right? I've talked about schema before on this podcast. You have to be able to have some sort of file to be able to go into and say, okay, well, if, you know, if I mix colors and get a different color in art class, well, what happens if I mix these two chemicals? Do I end up with a comp or a compound that has both properties like if I mixed red and blue it has like you know some warmth and coolness to it like you know the purple the resulting purple would have warmth and coolness to it like the two colors that it came from Um, but that required you to have a previous experience so you can't just rely on well if they just take enough math classes they'll be able to do some pretty cool theoretical math. Mm -hmm. That's not true. Mm -mm. They have to be able to draw on different experiences. And I think it doesn't even have to be so um, like one-to-one connected. Sure. Um, Because what it's also doing, the creative process, is creating synapses and pathways in your brain that just make your brain more work better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and so you're learning a lot of those things subconsciously um and you don't re- like it's it's how we get influenced to do anything. Like we're being taught things all the time whether we acknowledge it or not. One of the first things that you do in kindergarten is you're given a piece of paper and a crayon and you're asked to draw something, some sort of direction or sometimes you're not. And To us, we say, oh, well, to a normal adult, we would look at that and say, well, that's something that a kindergartner would do. Mm -hmm. That's important for them because they need to, you know, motor skills and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's any, there's all sorts of reasons why we do that. However, schools have kind have gotten to this point where we don't have time in the classroom to do just fluff things to fill up time. There has to be reasons why we are doing the things that we're doing. And oftentimes teachers do have to prove that every single thing that Mm -hmm. they are doing has a purpose. And part of that free draw or that art that they're doing is not just fine motor skills, but it is also allowing them to create, like you're saying, those new pathways. Mm -hmm. So as I think about that, and as, as I think about my kids' classes, I'm like, this is also important for adults as well. But I think adults definitely put their own creative, practicing their own creativity into the luxury bin Mm -hmm. because they are just trying to survive, Mm -hmm. right? You know, there's, there's bills to pay, there's kids to take care of, there's a house to clean. There's not really, they don't feel like that there's an opportunity to express their creativity. Mm -hmm. And that, that leads to an existence that can leave you burnt out. And I think creativity is an excellent remedy to that. Well, because creativity is one of 
there's like seven things that help you relieve stress that help you get through all the way through the stress cycle. And I'll have to look it up. We've done a podcast on that before. Um, but, uh, creativity is one of the seven things that helps you get all the way through your fight or flight response. Yeah. Um, I, as I was thinking about this podcast, I was trying to figure out what are areas in my life where I'm utilizing creativity in unexpected ways, not just like, Hey, I'm sewing or painting today. Um, Whenever I'm trying, again, I'll come back to this a lot. Whenever I'm trying something new is when I'm exercising my creativity. Mm -hmm. Like I just learned how to plant a flower bed. Now I didn't go in on it blind. I did do some research on it, but, um, well, because if you go into it blind, you're not really learning. You're (laughs) just like throwing mud around. (laughs) Although that does sound like fun. (laughs) Um, it's like through, it's like. When I get it, when I start learning a new process, I always find it interesting because I start out very careful and very slow, but then as I get into it, I get to learn new like ways to cut corners, so to speak. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this before about like mastery. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that process. And it's a place where I'm practicing my creativity um, in something that isn't just, oh, well, you know, I need to go out and buy out paint and a canvas. You can utilize your creativity in unexpected ways or in ways that you may not traditionally think is creative. Mm -hmm. Um, Are there any areas in your life like that where you're like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm utilizing my creativity in a way that maybe other people may not typically perceive it. Um, I don't know. I didn't, I hadn't thought about this before. I mean, I think we're pretty straightforward with how we have a, a very broad bucket of what counts as creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think everything we do has the potential to access that. So I don't know if that wasn't a very exciting answer. That's all right. Um, I just know that there's some like holes in my viewpoints. Like I'm sure there's a creative way that you can, you know, work on your finances but that is not something I'm strong in. So when I'm trying to bring my creativity into especially a place where I'm like trying to do personal finance, I'm like, "Eh." I have a hard time utilizing my creativity there, you know? Well, mm, yeah, but you're solving a problem. That's true. And I think that any time that you are problem solving or thinking critically, that creativity is at play. Because you're taking something that, you know, didn't that, you know, you're taking a situation and you're trying to change it, I guess, which is inherently creative. The act of creating something yeah. new, a new process to help you. But also get creating financial doesn't security. have to be about making something new. Mm-hmm. So if you're taking the things that you have, if, if you have $100 and you come up with all different ways you can spend it like those different options are creative. Just like how would you combine these different fabrics or these different colors? Very true. But I think it does come now. Like, I mean, I always talk about Muli being creative with the spreadsheet. Yeah. I, I do wish I could grow in that area. Maybe I should work on that. Maybe, but would it really serve you? I don't know. Yeah. You could do some pretty cool things with the spreadsheet I've seen. I mean, I also can like waste a lot of time oh, building a that. pretty spreadsheet. 
This is true. So um, another reason why I wanted to talk about this was because it's very close to this idea of creativity as luxury. This myth um, can oftentimes feel like a bit of a barrier to make do in the sense of like trying to let people know why our existence is important because oftentimes we're asked like, or like why we're a nonprofit, like why we're a nonprofit. Yeah. Yes. Like why does your existence as a nonprofit, like why are you necessary? Mm-hmm. Um, and we are always having to answer that question. And so this idea of, well, you know, art is, you know, like a fun pastime. Right. It's not a basic need like shelter or food. Yeah. We're always having to explain that. So um, has there been moments where you are like having to explain that and what are like some feelings <laughs> that you think you're what th- I'm having to explain more is what a nonprofit is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because that is really the hang up. Like people hmm. think you charge for your classes. How are you a nonprofit? Like people think nonprofit means free or like nonprofit. They think of it as synonymous with charity. Mm. So that's the conversation I end up having um, more. But a lot of, I would say, I'm not going to say all, but most arts organizations, not like make do, but like the symphony, the art museum, not a gallery, obviously, where Mm -hmm. you're like selling art, that's for profit. But a lot of arts organizations are nonprofits. Um, I go back to thinking about the Met Gala. Like the reason Uh that we have the Met Gala is because um, that part of the museum that catalogs history of fashion has to make its own money. Uh Because for whatever reason, we think that fashion is like a fluff art, Uh, even in the art world. Um, They're having to make their own money for that, Um, which I think is frustrating and very, very silly. But everything has to make its own money. Well, okay. Everything has to be... Let me put it this way. The other elements of the museum, they can take donations and they can spread them around. But the reason why the Met Gala exists is because the fashion portion of that museum at least from my understanding, does not get a cut of that. They have to Mm. fundraise on their own, whereas the rest of the museum gets to kind of share. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, and that would just be set up in the bylaws of the organization. Like, that's not a federal... That's not like a law. However, but... However, I think it does signify that people do feel that there are certain, you know elements of preserving history that are more important than others. Mm-hmm. Like going back to the school, what resources are we going to, if we only have so much, what are we going to put our resources to? And oftentimes fine arts happen to be the last thing, or in this case with uh, the Met, the fashion department, fashion history department, you know, they don't deem it necessary to, you know, pour funds into that. I mean, you have to make your decisions based on something and it often doesn't, it often doesn't come nece- entirely from just like pure logic. It comes from an emotional place. Right. Or, I mean, I know nothing about the structure of the Met. Mm-hmm. So like, it's also what are their biggest donors and what are they, like when you have people giving you money, when you're getting grants, exactly. they get to say where they want the money to go. Exactly. And that's people making the, mm-hmm. the decision. So like I'm, again, what I'm getting at is that you know, in people's minds, they're making the decision of, well, if I'm going to give, you know, a million dollars, I want it to go towards this Mm -hmm. because they are putting a hierarchy in their brain of like what's more important and what they want their money to go to, Mm -hmm. which is their right. They can totally do that. But I think it shows 
you know, where people put their money, it shows what's the most important to them. Mm-hmm. And I, I do wish that more people saw value in creativity, which is why I work and make do. Yeah. It's important. Well, speaking of like comparing make do to the Met, <laughs> um, you do have to be able to show the impact that it's having on your community. And that is what we're able to do with make do mm-hmm. is to, because our creativity isn't about stuff hanging on a wall. Yeah. It's not about looking at art and like experiencing that way. It's about actually participating in the creative process. And to me, that's, that is a huge distinction. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would say that that, that is a, a difference. Oh yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'm glad that we exist as a place that gives experiences to people because experiences and memories are a lot easier to carry with you mm-hmm. than stuff mm-hmm. or just having an opportunity to like, although going to a museum is part of an experience, what I remember more vividly is opportunities where I got to participate specifically with other people because mm-hmm. I'm a people person. So being in a classroom with people learning how to do something is going to be way more memorable for me than going to an art museum by myself. Mm-hmm. I also like, I'm not a good sightseer. Mm. So I don't want to go like just look at art in a museum. Oh, you don't like like reading the plaques and stuff no. or like, oh. I don't, it's just, so I would never choose to do that. Oh, that's fair. I have come to appreciate those sorts of experiences. I grew, I, again, I was um, blessed enough to be able to have a family that went on family vacations. And we often went to places um, like museums or like little places in state parks where you could kind of go through and like look at different Mm -hmm. things and learn information. I'm an information junkie. Mm -hmm. So I love looking at all of those things. Um, However, those experiences are put into greater importance when I'm able to share that information with other people or if I use that as inspiration for my storytelling in D&D or the clothing that I make or um, the sorts of things that I gain, like I gain a deeper appreciation for history or the natural surroundings that I have because I know more about it. Mm -hmm. It all, all of that information is better when it's put into context of my life or when it's put into context of the world that I live in. Mm -hmm. And so if you're just going to museum just to like look at art and try to find a feeling, it is going to feel pretty dull. Like when I went and saw my bestie, she lives near DC. And so we went to DC and went to a few, like the museums are free. So we went to a few museums and I mean, there was some cool stuff there, but it doesn't, and I can appreciate it now because I'm like, immersed in creativity, but I still couldn't tell you anything that I saw or learned. It's overwhelming to me. Mm, Too much Um, at once. Yeah. And so I would rather experience creativity through doing something creative um, than Uh, like looking at something someone else did. I would say that's true, especially for a lot of kids. Mm -hmm. They want to get their hands dirty and they want to get in there and have the experience of the creativity. Now, like the science museum, like a science spectrum, there was one where my grandparents lived and we would go to that occasionally. And so that kind of hands-on experience Mm -hmm. 
is you're a lot to more participate. Yeah. And you're getting to watch, you know, the rules of the universe in action, mm-hmm. which is super cool. Um, so like I've actually had an experience where I was talking to someone about make do in hopes of them donating. Like mm. I was asking and they said, well, I own like kids in America have it fine. Um, I don't need, you know, I only give to kids who live outside of the U S and third world countries. What That's people, their prerogative. That is their prerogative mm-hmm. indeed. However, I think people are often too quick to dismiss the need that happens in their own communities. Well, because if we knew, if we, if you start to open your eyes to the need in your own community, you have to come to terms with how you your play role a role in that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. What responsibility do I have to this community now Mm -hmm. that I know that this is happening? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a lot easier to have your head in the sand. Oh, for sure. (laughs) And in this world where we are constantly inundated by things that are happening outside of our community, it can feel like exceptionally overwhelming to Mm -hmm. try and deal with all of that because you cannot fix everything. Mm -hmm. You cannot constantly be doing the best for your community and for those people who are out there. So we need all different sorts of people to support good work overseas and here, which is why I like our abundance mindset because there's enough to go around. Mm -hmm. We can help our community and help those outside of our community as well. But I think there tends to be a blind spot for your own community because you assume that everyone is like you, right? which is, I think what I could even like, um, kind of accuse myself of in this podcast because I assume that like, well, everyone does have, I do believe everyone does have the ability for creativity, Mm -hmm. but I assume that everyone has had the same experiences that I have when I know that, like, I know that's not true, Yeah, but it's just so easy to fall into. A lot of times I think you've come to a class at make do. Why do you still say that? (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. But alas, one class does not no. fix you of your issues of perfection. No, especially because I mention my problems with perfection every other episode. <laughs> it's just that I know it's a problem and yes. I'm like actively working on it in the areas that I want to. But exactly. then it also still is debilitating in other areas. Were there some places in your life before make do that kind of like allowed that allowed you to kind of step into making a creative nonprofit? Like Wait, you, what? Okay. So, okay. Let me ask it. Let me preface it with this. Mm-hmm. You are an intelligent, very data-driven person uh-huh. and you could have put that mind to, you know, another sort of nonprofit. Why bother choosing a creative one? Uh, I mean, I don't think that I, I didn't think, you know what I want to do? Start a nonprofit. Hmm. Oh, and what then kind think- of nonprofit will I start? That wasn't how it happened. Mm-hmm. So it was more me seeing the evidence, the impact of creativity on my teen, those teen girls in Ireland. For that full story, you can go listen to episode one. Hey. Um, but the short story is I was working with um, some girls when I during my time in Ireland, and I made them be creative. <laughs> I made them sew pillow covers. And I saw the impact that it had on them pretty much immediately. And I thought, whoa, 
like creativity is holds an immense value to our souls. And that was what, so I wanted to give that opportunity to other people. Mm-hmm. And then the only way I saw that happening was in a nonprofit setting. Okay. So gotcha. it wasn't, I want to start a nonprofit. No, Listen, yeah. do not start a nonprofit. <laughs> <laughs> what makes you say I mean, that, Joe? Because it's, um, one, if what you want to start, okay, no, maybe let me say it this way. I came up with the idea for make do and was like, it could be anywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And so tried to do it in Dallas. And then I ended up in Searcy. And then it was, um, you know, we kind of had to see how it was going to fit Searcy's needs. I think if you see a need in your community and you feel equipped to solve it, Mm. then pursue that. Um, But first, look and see if someone else is already doing it. Yes. This is what I see with nonprofits is people are like, I love dogs. I'm going to start a nonprofit for dogs. Well, but does something already exist in your community? So we end up like fighting against or like tugging against work that's already happening. Um, So, I mean, make do is pretty unique. There's Mm -hmm. not anything else here doing what we're doing. So we are fulfilling a need. Mm -hmm. But this has gone down a rabbit hole of like. Don't start a nonprofit, but <laughs> no, I think that's I think that's good to know. Um, and it's not, it's not. E- you're gonna you have to spend so much of your time fundraising. Yes. So like, you either have to spend time fundraising or you spend time, you know, marketing. Starting a business is just hard. Yes. And starting a nonprofit is not an easier way to start a business. Maybe that's how I'll say it. Hey, there you go. Good advice mm-hmm. for the dear listeners mm-hmm. at home. No, I like that. That seeing. That you saw a need and you felt equipped to be able to take care of that need. Well, you, that's my favorite definition of creativity is, is seeing a void and filling it with yourself. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Because I do really like that as well. I mm-hmm. love that definition. Um, filling it with, yeah, something else. And that speaks to the essential nature of creativity. Um, So having lived in Ireland as a culture, I think the Irish are potentially the most creative (laughs) on the, on earth Mm -hmm. or or maybe some like African cultures would be similar, but one museum I do remember going to, it's Mm. basically like an Irish history museum. And they talked about how, um, innovative the Irish are because they were so poor for so long Mm. and that it was the scarcity that forced them to be innovative and creative. So there's a, there's a, someone is going to be like screaming it in the microphone. Something is the mother of, Oh, um, necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah. So that's kind of where, what happened with the Irish. Um, but then they also, I think that their lives were so bleak that they had, to, and their weather is bleak and mm-hmm. dreary. They had to bring in light and color in some way. And so they're very musical. They're very, you know, they've got the Irish river dancing mm-hmm. and they're, they're very, um, their creativity is communal. Yes. In that sense of like playing music doing those dancing dance together. All together. Yeah. Yeah. Those communal spaces where they're mm-hmm. getting together and they're 
enjoying each other's company. It makes me think of Japan as well, a, a country that is very small and mostly taken up by mountains. Resources were limited. And so they had to figure out how to live communally and produce... Um, uh, produce enough food to feed everyone. And so it required a lot of ingenuity and creativity on their part. Um, so yeah, uh, necessity being the mother of invention. Well, that gets me to kind of a last thought that I had, you know, written mm -hmm. down. We have several thoughts yes. we don't write down. When So that's talking about necessity kind of driving the way that a culture is creative. When we view something as a luxury... Mm -hmm. We tend to push it to the side because it's not—it's not necessary. A priority, right? Yeah. We don't need to prioritize it um, like we do when things feel scarce. And so, if you view—we've been talking about people who maybe don't have the means or the privilege. We've been talking about their ability to participate in creativity, mm -hmm. but the reverse of that is also true. If you have maybe not unlimited means, but if you are able to provide for all of your basic needs and you have um, money left over to use how you want, mm -hmm. then are you going to prioritize creativity? Well, because you're not re being required to use it, right? Or you think, oh, I can do that later if I want to. Mm -hmm. Like it's easy to push something to the side when you don't see it as essential. So... um I'm doing a lot of different house DIYs, some small things to spruce up my space. Um, and although I can provide for my basic needs, I don't really have the ability to go out and just buy new things all the time. Yeah. So a lot of my creativity has been poured into how can I turn what I already have with like a little bit of paint, a little bit of, you know elbow grease to be able to turn my space into something that's really cool. Mm -hmm. So those limitations have required me to become more creative, learn new processes and learn different ways of expression that I normally wouldn't have mm -hmm. had. Um, so in some ways I like what you're talking about this whole reverse that because a lot of us do have our basic needs met, we are like, eh, you know, I don't really need creativity. I yeah. can just like, you know, if I need something, I'll just go and buy it or I'll pay someone else to do it. Or I will, you know, if I need to experience some sort of creativity, I will pay someone else to like have it performed in front of or me. Or we just have so many options mm -hmm. that we're choosing something else. Yeah. Something easy. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. You know, you, like kids you see their imagination and how they can do so much with so little, like with mm -hmm. air. Yes. <laughs> and we lose that as adults. So I think as we get older, we also start to put creativity on this pedestal, which you've mentioned, like the high art, yes. um, or we think it's going to take a lot of time or it's going to take, well, that we have to already be good at it or something like that. And we see, um, we've mentioned before that creativity can be a gamble on your energy. Mm -hmm. And so we think, okay, well, I have a free Saturday afternoon. Is it worth the risk to try this creative thing? Or like both of us doing gardening stuff. Mm -hmm. I ripped up my whole yard in the front. Like it yeah. is very visible. Yes. What if it doesn't work? Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's easier to, um, I kind of lost my train of thought, but it's easier to like 
not invest our limited energy into the creative option. Into those different creative uh-huh. pursuits. Yes. I think that's very true. Um, oh, I, I was thinking about like new perspectives and like you talked about um, the Irish finding joy mm. in these small things. And I think that does create take a creative mind to be able to find the good in maybe a situation that's not optimal. Mm-hmm. I think when you have a situation where you, most of your basic needs are met, you don't have to work as hard to find the joy. And what I love about creativity or that imaginative mindset is that it allows you to find joy in the smallest of things, which is probably one of my favorite things about life in general, mm. is that if you can perceive, if you can find joy in just, hey, I learned a new cooler way to how to do this. And that gives you happiness. Um, like the same happiness that you might get from buying something new or going on a cool vacation. Like that's valuable and so important, especially when you may not have the means to go and get joy in ways, you know, buy happiness, if you will, Mm -hmm. it's a way for you to get some free happiness. So, and that's really important right now when it feels like, I feel like we still live in times where it can be really hard to find joy. Like you kind of have to look for it. I think that's always true. (laughs) You might be right. Um, So having that creative mindset just lets you find a little Mm -hmm. bit of extra joy. Mm -hmm. That's why it's important. Like unexpected joy. I love surprises. And that's not a luxury. No, it's not. Like joy should not be a luxury. Yes, I agree that part of the human existence is you don't have to be happy all the time, but just like having joy, being able to experience that. Well, and we see it's not connected. Like if you think of luxury as being tied to money, mm-hmm. then the more money you have, the more luxury you can have. And I'm pretty sure that there's some charts out there somewhere that show there's a cap. Yeah. As money increases, joy goes down. Yeah. There is a, for in in the United States, there's a specific number that when you reach that Mm -hmm. number, that it starts to go down. Yeah. Cause there, it, there, it does like, it does go up with more money comes more happiness Mm -hmm. because of, you know, your needs are met. But like, once you hit this certain point, it starts to go down. Your happiness goes down despite the fact that your bank account is increasing. Yeah. Because of the issues that money brings with Uh it, at least large amounts of money. So there you go. Okay. I wrote some tips on how to shift our mindset from seeing creativity as a luxury to seeing it as an essential component that needs to be incorporated into our lives. Okay. I'd be very interested to hear these. I think I have some similar points. There was maybe a shorter way to say that. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) So seeing... Uh, tips for ways of seeing creativity as essential. Im- essential. Yeah. Cool. Instead of as just luxury. Yeah. Well. No, it can still be luxurious. Yes. Absolutely. Without being like a luxury that's only accessible to some. Yes. Okay. Um, I only have two. Okay. One is to give it some priority. Just make some time for it. So you you prioritize other things in your life, mm-hmm. whether you are someone who has a budget or not, whatever. You still are deciding I'm going to spend money on X, Y, and Z. You're still deciding how you're going to spend your time. Mm-hmm. You're still deciding, um, I guess that's it, money and time. Mm-hmm. And so make some money 
set aside some money and set aside some time for creativity. I'm guessing that people probably have more than one streaming service subscription. Mm, I only have one at a time. I rotate them. But um, just cancel one of your subscriptions and take that money and do something creative and take that time, you know, just for a month. Just see what happens. Mm -hmm. For when I was first married, I didn't have a lot of money at all. Um, But I did like... I went and bought like a nice pack of colored pencils, like a like one with like lots of colors uh-huh. in it, and a coloring book. That is very accessible, uh-huh. so you can make priorities for that. And they make tons of coloring books now with so many different themes. So if you only like magical, mystical birds, there's a coloring book for that. I know this because I went to Walmart and they uh, have like all yeah. of these different coloring. Also, books. I will give you one of Make Dudes coloring. Yeah, books. if you need one, let us know. We'll give you nice colored pencils. Yes. You just come, let us know. Yeah. Um, And then the second thing on how to shift that mindset is to incorporate creativity into other things that you're already doing that are essential. Yeah. Or or like, so we all see value in hanging out with a friend, meeting a friend for coffee, whatever. Well, go to Hobby Lobby and get an embroidery kit. Mm -hmm. Come here and get an embroidery (laughs) kit. Like... There's so many ways. Color with a friend while yes. you're having coffee. Are you, you know, are, is it important for you to spend time with your kids? Take a moment and like color with your kids. Mm-hmm. Whatever creative thing they're doing, join them in it. Mm-hmm. Or if they are so keen on helping you out with things, get them in on uh, whatever you're having, whatever chore, whatever you're having to do around the house, I guarantee you, you will have to come up with some creative solutions to having your kiddos mm-hmm. help you out with that. But from at least from my experience, those were some of the most like bonding experience I had with my parents. Yes, and here's why it's important. I, I think maybe this idea was floating around earlier. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. There, I've had some idea floating around that I keep losing. Anyway, creativity, we see creativity as an essential part of community building. Mm, Yes. And so it's not just about going and looking at the Mona Lisa by yourself, which when (laughs) I was in France, we went to the Louvre and when I did look at the Mona Lisa, my life's not better for it. Like that kind of access to museums did not enrich my day to day life. Fun experience, but like who cares anyway? Um, now I completely lost my train of thought. Oh, community. So doing what we see happen here is that when kids come to take a class, even if they're taking a class on Minecraft, something that normally they would connect to each other through a screen, when they come here and do a Minecraft craft next to someone else, they talk to each other. Mm-hmm. So it's the same in your in your household. Like, if you're cooking dinner and your kids are sitting there doing something, mm-hmm. you're talking, you're having experiences with them. Now, you may want to just be listening to a podcast while you're cooking dinner. And that is also legitimate. Yes. <laughs> like maybe that's your alone time. Yeah. Maybe but. that's your time to yeah get things done. But inviting, yeah, creativity is an excellent time to invite other people into your creative, you know, mm-hmm. to your experience. And when you're trying to make new friends, when you're an adult trying to make new friends, inviting someone you kind of know to coffee is awkward. It can be. Yeah. Especially if you're like, I don't know what I'm going to say to this person. No. But if you're like, hey, we can go take this class. Let's pay what you can. Or we can go, you know, 
I've got this thing that I want to go do that I, yeah. you know, come join me, come, come to an escape. Oh, maybe you don't want to do an escape room. That's kind of a next level friendship sort so of thing. You could go paint some pottery. You yeah. could go on a walk mm-hmm. even. You're not having to just stare at each other and think about what to say. Yes. Over your cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so those were my two tips. I do like those two tips. Um, I had written some things just basically summarizing what we had already talked about, that creativity, it's not a luxury because creativity allows you to find new perspectives and thinking about things outside of the norm, which leads to better problem solving. It leads to finding joy where you may not... Um, expect, and it allows you to work through emotions. All of those things are necessary for our day-to-day life. Therefore, not making creativity a luxury. It's something that we need. Mm -hmm. So my charge to you is then to go out and to find ways to practice that, exercise that muscle. Mm -hmm. Because you may find that as you're exercising that creativity, your creativity muscle, it makes other aspects of your life better. Yeah. When um, we were in the depths of COVID and only Mm -hmm. essential businesses were open, um, one of the things that I would, oh, when we were doing quarantine craft camp, I set the tagline for that was like, make do isn't essential, but creativity is. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, we didn't need to be, you didn't need to come here, but you still needed to find ways to Oh, I created. I think people found out real quick yeah. how important community and creativity is. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people got into lots of different niche hobbies mm-hmm. and realized how cool they are, mm-hmm. which I'm totally here for that. Whatever your niche hobby is, cool. Mm-hmm. Good on you. Yeah. All right. That's all I wrote. Okay. What's your sweet? My sweet is that last night I watched this old 1955 movie called The Court Jester. Okay. Have you seen it? Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> it's got Danny Kay in it. He um, he is the excellent dancer in White Christmas. Okay. Um, I haven't seen White Christmas okay. either. It's delightful. It's got Angela Lansbury in it. I do know who she is. Yes. Um, a very young, very ravishing looking Angela Lansbury. And it's just a very hilarious movie and very quotable. Lots of tongue twisters, some fun songs, cool dances, um, an interesting take on what the 1950s thought the medieval world looked like. Um, it's it just what's it called again? The court jester. The court jester. Yeah. So it's set. It's a medieval. It's a movie. medieval okay. movie, but it was it was made in 1955. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I just I invited some friends over to share in that, and we were just enjoying it for the joy that it was. Like what movies were like back then, but also like this hilarious story that wasn't like uber serious and gritty which a lot of movies are these days Mm -hmm. and it was just kind of like a nice little special you know light in my week Mm -hmm. so real good time what about you what's your sweet my sweet is that last night at the mystery quilt class everyone um got their blocks sewn together so they they got to see the first phase of how their quilt is going to look like them. So like they're putting together, like this is the piece that's going to be repeated over yeah. and over again. Yeah. Were, were any of them like, was it unexpected for them? No, Cause or? I think, I mean, they could have figured it out weeks ago, <laughs> you know? Uh, but, but they didn't have all of their fabric cut, so they couldn't actually lay it out and mm-hmm. see it. Um, so this was the first time that they got to see it all. And there's still, there's a secondary pattern. So some of that is still. Oh, it's still um, a mystery a little yeah. bit. Well, even if they can, if they know what's going to happen, you don't, 
get the full impact till you see it all sewn together. So yeah. that is one suite. And my second suite is that we got new fabric. Oh yeah. <laughs> always another suite. Yeah. Um, when we get new fabric in, it's always exciting. Yeah. What's your sour? Um, my sour is that a lot of old movies are not available on a lot of these streaming services. Oh, mm-hmm. And that frustrates me. The cool thing about Netflix, at least like when you had the mail-in service is that they would have tons of old movies that they would mail to you. Um, I think they still do that. They do still do my some of that. Sister and her. It's not. Still it's not super po- popular to do, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of other streaming services don't do that. Um, and also, a lot of streaming services own rights to things that they then take off of their services mm. because they can. I'm not exactly sure. I thought they took them off because their rights ran out. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes they take them off in order to write them off as a loss on their taxes. There's other reasons why streaming services will remove different movies. It's hard to find a lot of these older movies, uh, specifically like The Court Jester. Um, Even though Amazon Prime, I guess, has some sort of agreement to be able to watch it, you still have to pay in order to rent it. Um, Same thing with YouTube. And that makes me really sad because, number one, a lot of these movies are not in high demand. So I don't know why we need to put them behind a paywall other than makes people money cool but it also makes it like difficult to be able to find like a lot of Marilyn Monroe's movies it's kind of hard to find places that will stream them um it has to be because of the rights right it's not just because of the rights it's well it's all right it's because of the rights however it may just be that they're either in dispute or they're being sold to another streaming service so that keeps them off of streaming services for a while Mm -hmm. it's not just oh they're on one but not on another one it's like sometimes these movies aren't even available to be viewed because either the rights are being disputed or they just haven't been sold off yet um so it's kind of frustrating to try well, and get Well, that could be a plug for your local library because they might have those movies. Exactly. There's really... There's if a, you have a DVD player, which I do not. Yeah. If those movies are even on DVD. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, we had this little sweet spot there for a while where a lot of these more obscure movies were just put on DVD and put in $5 bins. Mm-hmm. But I think we're seeing that go in favor of these mm. streaming services. I also don't like that because streaming services can sell or remove them at any time. So if you get a streaming service and you want, you're like, oh, great. They have all of these like pre-code movies that I want to watch. Um, and then they like sell them. It can be really frustrating. Like, does AMC have their own streaming something? I'm not sure. Because that's their whole jam. Yeah. Is perhaps, old movies. Perhaps they do. Honestly, see, even that's behind a paywall because that was cable. Yeah. Oh, man. If there was a, um, just a classic movie channel streaming service, mm-hmm. hey, guys, if you know of one, let me know. I will totally pay for that because I love watching a lot of these older movies. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting. Yeah. there. I have no interest, so I don't have any yeah. advice to give you. <laughs> so, anywho, that's my sour is that having access to these movies is... It's just difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, what's your sour? Um, I guess my sour is that on Sunday night, I threw my back out. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it right. felt very dramatic. I'm better now, but I'm still like, Ooh, is it going to happen again? So I'm still being cautious, which is, you know, annoying. Yeah. So. I guess that had to do with your gardening, huh? 
Yeah. That you threw it out while you were pulling up stuff and digging I guess. and whatnot. Maybe I would just like wasn't stretching enough after. Who knows? Probably has something to do with not drinking enough water too. Oh, that you could always <laughs> blame stuff on always, that. Yeah. Oh, you should have drank more water. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm learning. I took it upon myself to start trying to do some like color mixing or pattern mixing here at Make Do. Um, I mean, I do that some, but I watch Joe Wait. do it so often. Oh, you mean with fabric? Yeah, with fabric. I watched Joe do it so often that I was like, I kind of gave myself the challenge of like, how can I take this one fabric and turn it into many different mm. vibes? Um, I just felt like that was important for working at a place like this. So it was a fun, fun little experiment. I'm going to keep going. It also forces me to kind of get out of my comfort zone. Like, yeah. okay, here's how I'd want to put it in my quilt, but how would other people might want to see this? Right. And having that creativity to like step into someone mm-hmm. else's shoes. And it's pick so fascinating too with the quilting class. Um, no, I've never had people pick the exact same Mm-hmm. Six fabrics, you know, people exactly. always, even if they have three or four of them the same, those last few will always be different and it makes it a different thing. Indeed. I am learning that I like peeps. Oh, yeah. that's <laughs> Peeps is in the marshmallow candy. Marshmallow color dusted candy. Yeah. Not peeps is in people. People. I mean, I do like some peeps. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. I bought some from Madison because they were half off and I tasted one. And I was like, wait, why did I think I didn't like these? Yeah. Who knows? Maybe there's more people out there that like peeps than than we know. But for the most part, whenever I tell people, yeah, I like peeps, they're kind of like, oh, that's weird. They're not. So I'm like, okay, maybe I'm just one of those people that likes them. But I think there might be more people out there. Yeah. I think if you like marshmallows, like the big marshmallows. Mm-hmm. Then you would like a peep. Peeps are also better than regular marshmallows because they're covered in a crunchy sugar. Yeah, it's the coating. Tex- the texture. It's like a mix of textures. Yeah. I wonder if you could do peeps s'mores. Oh, I'm for sure that they've probably yeah, already like not done with that. chocolate. Well, maybe it would no. be fine with. Chocolate. They make dipped peeps where they take the little bottoms of them and dip them in chocolate, and so you can have mm. like this chocolate coated kind of marshmallow thing going on. So. They have Dr. Pepper peeps this year, and I really like them. Because I feel like you could also maybe do like a white chocolate version Mm -hmm. of a s'more, which I don't like white chocolate, but with a peep. Yeah, you sure could. I brought in, peeps come in so many different varieties. I brought in a hot tamale flavor for Joe because she likes cinnamon. Uh I like hot tamales. Yeah. I felt like it did not. The hot tamales were not represented enough on the peep. Now, peeps often go real light on the flavor unless you get the mixed berry. Don't do that. It's They're awful. The mixed berry one tastes like cough syrup. Everything else has a nice light flavor. Even the ones that are like, I'm cotton candy or I'm cake batter. I've tried them. I'm like, it's only like, oh, I'm slightly more vanilla flavored or I'm like slightly more but cotton. What is cotton candy flavor? Just sugar. Actually, I did some research on this. Cotton candy flavor is what happens when you aerate caramel because that's what cotton candy is. It's melted sugar that has air in it. So the presence of air bubbles within a food stuff actually does change change how you perceive the flavor. So cotton candy is caramel plus air. And that's the flavor of cotton candy. Interesting. Well, because when I ate a peep, Yesterday, I thought this just tastes like a like dense cotton candy. Mm-hmm. Because so be- then I don't know what a co- how a cotton candy peep would taste different. It uh, when I ate it, I was like, 
it just tastes like ever so slightly more like cooked sugar, mm. if that makes sense. Because that's what cotton candy is. Interesting. Yeah. The more you know. Yeah. All right. Well, another day, another podcast. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. Yeah, we'll see you. Well, we'll talk to you next week. All right. <laughs> bye. Bye-bye. Thank you to my dear, dear friend Craig Hudson for our very createful theme music. You can hear more of Craig's music on Spotify under Craig Hudson. That's Hudson with a T. Or you can just uh, click on the link in the show notes. Also, be sure to connect with Make Do on Instagram at Make Do Create or on Facebook at Make Do Cersei. And visit our website, makedocreate.org, for upcoming classes, show notes, to order a face mask, lots of things.